a lot of the Western church is very focused on the shepherding, the caring, the nurturing, and the teaching, you know, the wisdom, the word. But many people feel like the apostle, that entrepreneurial, innovative energy, that um, planting energy, the prophetic, the, the energy that brings us back into what God is calling us to that holds us to the fire of justice and the evangelists, they get kind of exiled into parachurch ministries. They're kind of the troublemakers in a lot of regular churches. Welcome to the Ron Huntley Leadership Podcast, helping leaders be a positive catalyst on the people they support, the organizations they serve, and the communities they live. This podcast will make you think, laugh, and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation, passion, and purpose. If you're still breathing, you are powered for impact. I've enjoyed the innovation over the last couple of years with online conferences, but if you're anything like me, you're really looking forward to being in person again. If parish transformation culture, and leadership are topics you're leaning into for your next conference, then please reach out and let's see about booking your event into the calendar. It's time to get these things really right and bring more people home to God in the process. Let's get to today's show. If you are a caring, kind, and relational leader, or you're being led by someone like that, this episode is for you. Shepherd Leadership is a superpower that is often misunderstood. At the end of the show, I'll give you a 50% off coupon code that you can use to take the APEST vocational assessment that's referred to in today's show. Enjoy the conversation. Lift off and the clock has started. For those of you that are joining us for the first time, it's a special welcome to you. You're in for a real treat. You're going to hear all about what is APEST. It's a, a tool that I often use in coaching. And for those of you that are joining us for you know, coming back, you've heard me talk about it at different times because I get so excited about that as a tool. As we help parishes transform, to completely be transformed, to turn around, to be fruitful again. Uh, and oftentimes it happens through building great teams. Our guest today is Kimberly Culbertson. Kimberly, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Kimberly is the SQ champion. I'll get you to describe what that is uh, <laughs> as you kind of maybe give a little overview of, of the tool of APES, where it came from, and, and, and then maybe what SQ means. Sure. Well, I'm from an organization called 5Q. And so that's kind of the five-fold intelligence. If you think like IQ, 5Q is getting all of the five-fold ministry from Ephesians 4 into play inside of the church. So in Ephesians 4, it says that Christ has gifted us with apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers for the maturity of the body so that we can reach the fullness of Christ. And so our belief is that you need all five of those things and that's the APEST acronym, Apostle, Prophet, Evangelist, Shepherds, and Teachers. Now, when I first learned about APEST about 12 years ago, um, I was realizing I was a shepherd. And APEST was doing a lot of work to kind of bring the Apostle, the Prophet, and the Evangelist back into the church. A lot of the Western church is very focused on the shepherding, the caring, the nurturing, and the teaching, you know, the wisdom, the word. But many people feel like the apostle, that entrepreneurial, innovative 
energy, that um, planting energy, the prophetic, the, the energy that brings us back into what God is calling us to, that holds us to the fire of justice. And the evangelists, they get kind of exiled into parachurch ministries. They're kind of the troublemakers in a lot of regular churches. Uh, they're, they're raising their hands going like, what about justice? Or how, how are people experiencing this if they've never been in a church? And the people that are running the church sometimes have an energy toward them that's like, Shh, we're doing stuff over here. And so a lot of the early energy of APEST was around kind of bringing back the ape, the apostle, prophet, evangelist. <laughs> and I was so into it. But at that time, I, I was identifying as shepherd teacher. A lot of my life has been teaching. Yes. And so now I would say through coaching, I would say I'm a shepherd evangelist. But at that time, I was kind of like the ones that get all the attention in the thinking of APEST. And so um, I wasn't immediately kind of brought into the fold because they were looking for people who weren't shepherds. Um, right. And so I've just been teaching APEST in the, in the mix of other ministries for about a decade. And a couple of years ago, Rich Robinson, who um, is one of the founding members of 5Q, said, we are ready for shepherding. <laughs> we Yay. need shepherds. And I was like, are you sure? Because it's the five-fold ministry. Um, <laughs> we need all five. And so I have just been having a blast creating content around shepherding intelligently in the church. And I think that though we are kind of known for being about shepherding, I think a lot of our shepherding is immature. And we can see that by the fruit sometimes when you think of if our shepherding is mature, we would have churches where people feel relationally safe, where people come as they are and they can, they can find healing. We would, we'd feel like uh, churches are places where people feel accepted and loved. But if you look at data to, to the average person, not just church attenders, the church is not necessarily known for how loving it is. We can definitely see that in this season that is so polarized in so many ways right now. Mm. Um, if, or, if we were so good at shepherding, then we would be known for being a loving people. And we often are not. Mm. And so it, because I'm shepherd wired, it's just very exciting to me, the idea of a church that can be known for loving people well. And just kind of getting into the nitty gritty with people who are wired for shepherding. And helping them mature and, and giving mm. them tools and practices that bring about a church that's known for love. And then, especially, I, I live in mostly missional apostolic spaces. And mm. so often you have a lot of forward energy and you're starting new things all the time, but you don't necessarily have a lot of energy for maintaining those things. And so actually in the missional church, the shepherding mark is often very low. And so I work a lot with apostolic and missional leaders to help them figure out, okay, so in my APES profile, shepherd is maybe fourth or fifth, like it's at the bottom. Right. I know one apostolic leader where his shepherding on the assessment was an actual zero. <laughs> <laughs> wow, dude. Oh um, man, that's painful. Right. And, and so I bet you empathy was his last one on his strength finder. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it might be. Yeah. But you know what? When you are a leader in a Christian space, you don't really get to opt out of shepherding and, and caring for people well. Right. That's, it's built into the expectation, right? And we don't get to opt out of any of the five. 
And so one That's way that- about APES, you really don't like with strengths. It's like, yeah, don't worry about the ones you're not good at. Right. Double down on the ones you are good at, which I think is really great. And then there are two different tools for two different reasons. But mm-hmm. one of the things I found so cool about APES is it's challenged you to be mature in all five and doesn't right. let you off the hook. Just recognize that you'll be more hardwired in, in, in one or two. And I just right. thought, oh. Oh, that's too bad. Like I was really happy to be not <laughs> the things that I'm that. not good. Yeah, I'm just gonna forget <laughs> about the things I'm not good at. And 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 the you you know the the five Q model is like no, like that's not good enough. It's not good enough yeah. as a church. It's not good enough as an individual. And so what's I, I really interesting that, about if, if you really dig into Ephesians four is that it says that Christ gives these five gifts for the equipping of the body. Mm-hmm. And so depending on how you read that. You know, one reading is that as a shepherd, shepherd is my calling, mm-hmm. but my job is to equip the whole body for nice. shepherding. You know, my husband, he is primarily an evangelist. So he needs to be a good evangelist, but the whole body isn't going to outsource evangelism to him. Instead, he's nice. going to equip the whole church in the function of evangelism. And so we're all lending our perspectives towards each other. Right. And that's how we get an intelligent versus say, if you want to get cared for, you should go talk to Kimberly. I'm actually an apostle. So I'm going to go make some partnerships and grow this thing. Uh, you know, she'll, she'll take care of you. I'm not going to do that. I'm too busy. I'm too important. Um, you know, it's like, yeah, not cool. Like, so you'd be, if we were working in a team, you'd be, and I've had all kinds of shepherding's my third. Um, and, but, I love being around people who are more sensitive relationally because I can be so driven and focused and goal oriented that I can hurt people by accident. I just get so excited about what's possible. I just drive forward and I love having people like you close to me who can say, Ron, did you know you hurt so-and-so the other day? I'm like, what? No, what? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Here's why. Here's what you did. Here's what's happening right now. And I can run and, and own my impact and apologize and ask for forgiveness. But boy, if I don't have relational people around me whom I trust, then I can have, uh, yeah, I can be far less impactful in the long run. Yeah. And it works the other way too. You know, I spend a lot of my time with apostolic people as a shepherd. I tend to be looking toward the room, what's happening relationally in the room, but I can lose sight of where we're going. And so the, the shadow of the shepherd wiring is that you can get, you can kind of stagnate. You can not be sent out because you're so interested in what's happening relationally on the inside. And so being around apostolic people constantly points my vision forward, you know, mm. where are we moving with this? What, where is this movement going? And in turn, they can look back towards me occasionally and say, like, I can say, hey, uh, you, because of the way ap- apostles are wired, they're looking forward. They're not trying to hurt people. They literally can't see that someone just got hurt because their, their gaze is actually wired to be in front of them, not behind them. And so the intelligence of an APES team is that we can we can kind of point things out to each other and say, hey, are you seeing what's happening over here? You know, and the prophet can say, hey, are, are you seeing this? Are we asking God what he actually wants in this? You know, are we noticing the injustices that are happening on our block? You know, and we all are kind of putting things up in front of each other to say, mm. as a team, are we seeing these things? Are we functioning in these things? Mm. That's so beautiful. You talked about, Kimberly, you talked about, 
and I love this in Ephesians chapter four, and I often have a good time with this if I'm coaching into this with large groups is the whole idea of, you know, the very fact that they say maturity, you know, means that you can be immature. And so the very fact that they bring up maturity uh, from the body, it means they can be immature. And I know for myself, when I look at my strength themes or sorry, my, my charisms, I, I see times moments you know, it's not just, hey, I used to be immature and now I'm mature, like, aren't I something? It's like, no, I I toggle back and forth depending on how well I'm coping and what's going on in life between maturity and immaturity, I think, sometimes. And mm-hmm. and and the impact of the immaturity is, you know, can undermine teams, can undermine the, the direction that we say we want to head. But talk to me about that from, you know, you just mentioned briefly that Sometimes shepherds can stagnate. What, what does immaturity look like within the shepherding charism? Yeah, I think there's a, a couple different lenses you can look through at maturity for any of the five. Okay. I, I think there's identity, unity, and mission. And all of the five can get messed up in all three of those areas. But for the shepherd, you know, our identity when we're mature in all five, it comes from being a child of God. And our worth is already set, right? Mm-hmm. So the five, you could say that the five giftings are five different ways where, that we're trying to earn our worth. So for the shepherd, the shepherd is often trying to earn their worth through service. Like I care well for people and that's why God will love me. That's why people will like me. That's why I'll be important and have significance. And so the immaturity can fall towards codependency. Mm-hmm. And then that affects how we do community, right? Because if I'm really interested in proving how worthy I am, there can be a lot of shadow missions for how we do community. I might want my community to be the best community, or I might want it to be the biggest community, or I might want to have it be like the coolest people, you know? And so shepherds can sometimes fall into curating a group so that they can be like the the shepherd of a group that represents them well, and they can get lost in the mission of God, you know, in the sense that, um, what we're doing is a kingdom focus. I'm not trying to build my kingdom so that you'll be impressed with my, like how good, how good I am at caring for people. Mm. And I think it's kind of complicated because often the church sort of saints codependency. You know, we say like, oh, that person, they just like give, give and give and give and give and give until they have nothing left. And that's so impressive. And they're, they're so great. And then it, it's kind of this flywheel that keeps Mm. kind of grounding this identity in maturity and eventually leads to burnout and moral failure because in any of the five if you're trying to hustle for your worthiness eventually you're going to run out of steam in that game right Mm. and and so there's those pieces and then I think in terms of mission um because the shepherd is so relationally wired it's very hard to let go of people and if you want an exponential movement for Jesus, then people have to be sent out. If you think about the way that Jesus shepherded his people, he literally sent them out at times. That meant they left, you know, they weren't with him. And because the shepherds get so much of their joy and their drive from being relationally connected to people, that sending can be really hard. Mm. It, it, it does, it, it feels painful, you know? And so if, if we haven't, through a maturing process, dealt with the fact that it's hard for us to let go of people, then we will stand in the way of mission because we won't be willing to send them. And so when you really get into 
the calling of the shepherd, a lot of it is doing this internal work to be willing to help sustain what exists now, but also move it forward into mission. Mm. Wow, that's so cool. And I was just thinking about when he sent out the 12 or he sent out the 72, he's basically like mm. saying, go, like a, like a sheep among wolves, like just go. Like, I know you're not as prepared as you know, not everything is taken care of, but just trust and go, like, go do something, go be useful, get out of here. And, and but they came back. And so it wasn't like he cut right. himself off forever. It's like, no, there's this going and coming, there's going and coming, right? It's back and forth. It's, it, it's developing people and giving them the space to fail, the, the space to try, the, the space to make mistakes and, and then, then to come back and learn and grow, eh? Don't you, what yeah. do you say? Mm. And I think it is a little different paradigm for community when you are discipling people to send them and they have still a tether back toward you, like that they can come back and check in with you. Um, but a lot of times what is needed is a community structure of reciprocity at a different level. So if I have a group of people that I'm discipling into mission, I'm going to send them out. If they're my primary way that I feel connected and belonging, then I'm losing a lot. But if I have other spaces where people are shepherding me, then I am getting that need met, not only from the people that I'm leading and serving, mm. because then I'm willing to, I'm willing to send them more because I, I have my own tether back. Um, and and I, it's often not built into a church leadership structure, especially because church leaders are not allowed to need people. They're not allowed to need care in so many like, right. subconscious ways we tell church leaders that they, they can't be honest about what they need and, and, you know, they have God, so they don't need people to take care of them. Boy, isn't that a lie, eh? (laughs) That's why I love. We do have God. (laughs) We do. We do. Absolutely. We have God. And God, we also have God with skin on, uh, you know, because if God's in you and God's in me and we don't know each other and we don't fall in love with each other and learn each other's strengths and, and charisms Mm -hmm. and stuff, it just, we just, just can't function on all. So that's why I love, doing what I do with coaching and structure. Like I'm so you brought up structure. I wanted to dance because it's like, people don't get it. And, and, and it's not a reporting structure. It's a supporting structure. And so, you know, <laughs> I it's, love that. I'm right. That. <laughs> yeah. T- t- please steal it. <laughs> but my vision is always like, and I, for me, it comes from, from the last supper when, when Jesus got on his knees and started cleaning their feet and it yeah. came to Peter and he's like, you're, I know who you are. You are not touching my feet. I love you too much. I respect you too much. I know, I know who you are. And he says, like, you don't get it. Like, this is what leadership looks like in my kingdom. If you don't get this, then you don't get anything. Like, there's nothing I won't do for you. There's nothing above me. Jesus, if Jesus, the king of the universe, gets on his knees and cleans the feet, which is the lowest right. job yeah. for the lowest servant. He's saying, Kimberly, Ron, do you get it? It's about <laughs> serving. It's not about being served. And so get that through your thick skull. And I think, you know, as a church, like when we shift that paradigm from top down to bottom up, it just gets way more fun because now we can actually lead. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not just the expert with lots of helpers, you know, we're somebody that's yeah. been charged with an opportunity to love others into the fullness who God created them to be and have an impact for the kingdom way cooler mission mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> for, absolutely for bishops for priests like it's so fun yeah and that's where these tools can be so helpful and so 
Kimberly, one of the things that I see time and time again, and I'm going to say this to you and you tell me what you think, but okay. I'm going to put, I literally put everybody through this stuff. Um, and oftentimes shepherd will say to themselves, they will feel it's not uncommon for them to feel like, Oh, I'm the soft guy. Cause they're all guys. I, I deal with priests. Right. So they're all guys <laughs> and not that there aren't females on leadership teams, but I just want to focus on the priests and bishops for a minute. Yeah. I'm not as tough as the other guys. I'm not I, like emotionally tough. I, I, I'm a bit of a softy. I, 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 I tend to, to pull back, to not be as aggressive, to not be as demanding, to not be as, and so therefore I'm not a good leader. Like, I mean, I guess I can get by and care for some people, but um, you know, I don't know how I can lead a, trans, a transformation of a parish or a transformation of a diocese. Like, I don't know. I just don't have that killer instinct. Like that's almost the sense I get from these guys. I love for you to comment on that. Yeah. There's a couple of directions we could go with this. I love that you're asking this question. As I started creating content for shepherds, I did a bit of a shepherd walkabout Mm -hmm. and I spoke to one guy who he's in his Mm seventies and he knew he was a shepherd for like a couple decades, but he didn't tell anybody until like five years ago. Because there was a perception that men are not supposed to be shepherds. <laughs> and I spoke to people who, when they tested as shepherds, they cried, especially in missional spaces. Like, what do I even do here? Um, so there, there's a lot of misperceptions of the shepherd. But I yes, will say, um, we talk about Psalm 23 a lot. If you're going to talk about shepherding, you can't really skip Psalm 23. <laughs> no, you know, everybody's that, favorite. <laughs> <laughs> there's that passage, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And we look at, you know, those two tools, they do different things. And so we talk about shepherds as both pro- providing and nurturing and protecting and defending. And the shepherd, if you think about the metaphor of the shepherd, they do both things. The shepherd is not, we, ha- we have these pictures where the shepherd has like perfect hair and they're like barefoot and they have a sheep like wrapped around their neck, like a scarf. And we get this picture that the shepherd is very docile, but the shepherd is the sheep's only defense in a lot of these cases. And so while shepherds can be like grandma with the cookies and making sure you have everything you need, and that's totally valid, and that is a form of leadership, shepherds are also sometimes the Liam Neeson of the sheep. They are the one that's going toe-to-toe with the adversary. They're the ones that are willing to call out, like, this is a threat to our community, and we need to address it. And so shepherds often take a huge leadership role in terms of being that defender. So sometimes people are shepherds and they don't feel soft and gushy in the middle, but they're very concerned with, is this community healthy? Is it well? Is it being attacked? Is there a threat? Um, That all falls into the shepherding piece. And then the second thing that I would say is that uh, the other passage I love for shepherding is John 10, when Jesus is talking about being the good shepherd. Mm. And um, when I do a shepherding cohort for the assignment for the first week, I ask people to read it every day because you'll see so many things inside of that. And this whole story that we kind of tend to take out this one chapter, this is the good shepherd chapter. Mm-hmm. It's an answer to chapter nine, which is all about Jesus healing a blind man. So it's this whole conversation about blindness. And Jesus is answering their questions about blindness when he starts to talk about the good shepherd, which is really interesting. If you go back and read those two chapters together and you connect those ideas, it's so cool. Because what he's saying is that the 
shepherd sees the sheep. He knows them by name and they know him because he's involved with them. And so there's a couple of things that come out of that when you get into John 10. And one is that the sheep follow the shepherd. Mm. The shepherd has influence because he is known or she is known. Um, and because he sees, because he knows them. And so if you've ever been in a meeting where someone is trying to say, okay, team, here's where we're going, big apostolic vision. And then the people <laughs> in the room kind of look around towards one person. That's probably your shepherd. Cause they're going, are we going here? Are we going with? And if the shepherd is like in the room, cause I them, follow you, not them. Right. Because I, I, you know, this person up front, they seem really impressive and cool, but I don't know them. In a lot of church contexts, you don't necessarily know them. Or they don't but care are, about me, right? There are people that you know that you would like follow into battle. They tend to be the shepherds, which is why you want your shepherds lined up to mission. Because if the shepherd, if they look at the shepherd and the shepherd goes, yeah, we're going, then everyone's going. Because, because Jesus actually puts it into John 10. So the idea that being involved in the details of people's relational life will somehow make you a worse leader. It's just a really short-sighted idea because Jesus himself is talking in, you know, in about how the sheep follow. And if leadership really, if you boil leadership down to its bare bones, it's about, can you, will people follow you from here to there? Mm. Can you take people from one place to another place? Right. You have leaders. That's literally what shepherds do. That's literally I mean, the whole they, job, really. Their whole job is to take yeah. them. And I'm pretty sure it was a shepherd boy who knocked out Goliath. It wasn't an army. Yeah. And they under, they underestimated him too. <laughs> they, they were like, you're going to need all this clunky too. armor, which is a metaphor too, because I think some of what you're speaking to when people say like, I'm not really a leader is they're trying to put on other clunky yeah. armor. So and all good. they really need is what they have already. You oh, know? you're killing me. Shepherds, are you hearing this? That was stop the tape right now. That is so good. Yeah, putting on what, what you think, because we have a tendency to value other people's impact. And therefore, we think, oh, yeah. well, yes, but I'm not like them. And so I, you try to put on that clunky armor and go do your pastoral leadership as if you were somebody else. And it's like terrible idea. God made you on purpose. Oh, that's so good, Kimberly. (laughs) This is why I love the A-Pass too, because I think we have this picture where we have a couple important people and they do all the work in the church. And it's clearly not how the church is designed in Ephesians. Ephesians is a letter to all of the churches, right? About how to do church. And what they're saying is that we're all wired for the kingdom. We're all a priesthood of believers, you know? And so when you get into some of that, every person needs to be empowered and activated mm. that they have an intelligence. The image of Christ is in them. They have an intelligence for the kingdom. And I think APAS kind of gets around some of the titles, you know, like I, mm. I don't have a seminary degree. I'm not a priest or a bishop, you know, but I, I do see with this kind of lens Mm-hmm. You know, and it kind of gives gives you some language that's outside of the hierarchy. Yes. And I think that that can be so freeing for people. Like, okay, I'm not a priest, but I Well, do. if we're going to be useful, we're going to have to think bigger than that. Because yeah. honestly, that in and of itself 
is failing us miserably and it's nobody's fault. It's just deficient, but it was supposed to be deficient. It, 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 it's supposed to be deficient. It, it, it's a framework only with which we have to understand whose we are, who we are, who other people are, how we work together, and then bring our theology to life within this structure that we have. But we've relied on the structure and we've pulled out in so many ways. And again, not on purpose. Like I'm not blaming anybody. I probably would have killed it way, way earlier. But, but there is a season. This is a season of opportunity for us to get leadership really, really, really right. And if you're going to get leadership right, we're going to have to get you right. Um, and that's exciting because that's very manageable. That you can control. There's a lot of things that feel like they're outside of your control. You're not one of them. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like That's a study that you can do. That's some research that you can do. And you talk about the word intelligence. And I just want to share the story with you because I just love it. And I often say it, I read a book called Rich Kid, Smart Kid one time because I was looking at giving my kids allowance. It had nothing to do with allowance, it turns out, but it was still a good book. And one of the things it talked about in there was this little boy, they did their standardized testing in school. And after they got the results back a couple of months later and the teacher stands up and says, you know, boys and girls, there's a genius amongst us. And they're all thinking, what are you talking about? I've been growing up with these friends my whole life. No genius is here. And she says, you know, Kimberly, stand up. And so Kimberly comes to the front of the classroom and the teacher puts her around Kimberly and says, boys and girls, Kimberly is a genius. She scored in the 99th percentile of these tests and every, and so this little boy's like, She's not a genius. She's an idiot. Like I know her my whole life. Like, so she goes home and tells her dad and couldn't figure it out. And actually it was a little boy that, that was the, the genius in the class. And, and his father was an educator and he was so, I loved his definition. He said, son, we're all born genius. Mm-hmm. And it's our responsibility to figure out which genius we've been born with. Yep. And yep. he said, the definition of intelligence is your ability to further differentiate in, on any given topic. Okay. Like, so that's a great definition, the ability to further differentiate on any given topic. And so talking, like I know a lot about APEST. Mm-hmm. I'm talking to you today, who knows a lot more than I do. And I'm learning so much because your ability to further differentiate on this stuff is way beyond mine. And it's so exciting to me. But if we were talking about ice hockey, maybe, uh, you know, okay. <laughs> something I grew up Hands with. Hands down, uh, you would win. <laughs> Right. And so I know so, so little. <laughs> fair enough. But that's all of us. And so what area, where are we intelligent? And as leaders, and this is where I see the opportunity, we have an opportunity to grow in our intelligence to further differentiate that the, the scripture that says you're fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. Yeah. Well, if you don't have a language to break that down, it's just this blob of a good idea. But I think tools like APEST give us an opportunity to grow in our leadership intelligence, our self-awareness, our, yeah, our, our ability to work together in teams. Yeah. So let's take that and then take it one step further. Oh, love it. And I would say what's inherent in this verse is both that calling intelligence that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I'm intentionally differentiated towards one of the five. Mm-hmm. And then if you take my second into account, like a shepherd evangelist yes. is different than a shepherd teacher is different than a shepherd prophet. Then you get to 20. And of course, you know, there's all these permutations are all different, right? So we all have this individual genius that we're looking to sharpen and mature. Mm. But that is not the end of the verse. We love to make everything super individual. And we could stop there. But this is a communal verse for communal church. 
And there's a concept of collective intelligence, or some people call it communal intelligence. And this is what gets me really excited. I think partially because I'm a shepherd, I'm interested in the way that people work together. But we often, in churches, we take one person and we say, this person knows where we're going as a church. You know, it's the lead pastor or whatever. And so you have the the bishop. Yeah. So. And then sometimes what we do is we, we make it like, okay, so the bishop has the vision and he's going to be the general. He's just going to tell us everything to do. So if you've ever heard the phrase, if I could just have six of me, I'd be good. If I could just clone myself times six, then I would be great. People say it in the business world all the time. Oh no, absolutely. It's hard to find good help if I could just clone six of me. But if you imagine six of me in a room, (laughs) you still only have one brain. One right. thought process, one perspective, but yeah. you have 12 arms. Right. And that is often how we run organizations. That's how we run churches. We have the intelligence of one person and we have many sort of soldiers playing out that intelligence. But by definition in Ephesians 4, if you are wired in one way, then you are not wired in four ways, <laughs> right? So you have at least four blind spots to varying degrees. Things that you're not going to see first, you're going to see through your eyes, through your own confirmation bias. But if you have a team of people where their intelligence is actually welcomed to the table, Mm. because I have an understanding as a leader, I don't have perfect intelligence. We actually need each other. It's clear in this verse and in so many verses, we are all parts of one body. We're not all the same part, right? And so if I have a paradigm shift where I as a leader don't have to hold everything, don't have to know and see everything, but instead I can call upon my team and my community to see in ways that I'm not seeing, then we get collective intelligence. We get communal intelligence. And in Ephesians, we get the fullness of Christ, right? We get to represent Christ in, in all five ways instead of just in one or two ways. And so that's where intelligence gets really exciting. That's a, that's a multiplicative effect. Yeah. Of, of it. And that's what I see when I work with pastors and help them learn to work out of leadership teams, because most of them have never worked out of a, they've never had a high performance team. They've had working groups perhaps, <laughs> but never high performance teams. And I think that's what I'm hearing you say. And I see altogether that there's a third option often. And that's where the Holy Spirit does its best work is when we can trust each other. We recognize what we bring to the table. We can hear each other. We can debate passionately and consider things so that the, the quality of information and debate that goes into the decision-making often produces a third option, something way better than mm-hmm. any of the individuals came up with. And to me, that's the fruit of well highly formed and well-functioning leadership teams. That is so, so fun. And part of why you can have those conversations is because you have the paradigm that other people see things I don't see. And so when someone's perspective is different than yours, you don't go straight to, well, you're wrong and I'm right. Because the paradigm is actually, I see part of it and you see part of it. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to have necessary friction in that. Yes. But we already have the idea that we need to see from each other's perspective. And so it's not like, well, he's a jerk or she's a jerk um, because you're really looking for those places of friction so that we can kind of see 
the potholes. We can see what's coming. We can see what we're missing. One of the things that I see in our context in the Catholic Church is sometimes, not all the time, and, 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 and not with any ill intent, but we say, oh, well, that's the pastor. So clearly God is a special anointing on them. So whatever they say, that's where we need to go, because if they said it, it must be the way. It's like that is a terrible starting point. And we do the same thing with bishops. It's like, oh, well, that's the bishop. And so clearly that's the person that has all the answers. And it's like, no, they don't. They know they don't. But then even sometimes the teams that they put around them treat them like that. And so they're begging for for a more robust dialogue and and ability to work together they don't necessarily know how to get there and everybody around them is afraid to say anything that might offend somebody and so you just got this weird clericalism that prevents anything real from happening and we all know it but nobody will say anything it's so painful for me as a coach because it's so obvious and when we if we can break through that they never go back because (laughs) once you've experienced what you're talking about you're never going back to that delusional thinking that, you know, one person, because they've been ordained to cer- a certain role of authority, has all the answers that we should all just get behind because that's a good idea. Like, that's not that's not yeah. great leadership. You know, a lever you can kind of push, Ron, for that is that we we have a an understanding of respect sometimes that mm-hmm. is built around not questioning someone mm-hmm. or not disagreeing with someone. And so if you hold that, then when you have people who are in authority, but they're probably in authority often because they're mature and they have a lot more experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And so if I feel respectful towards the people who are in authority, that that's probably warranted. It's not universally warranted, but it's often warranted, right? I agree. The bishop is the bishop for a reason. And the pastor too. I couldn't agree more. It's not disrespectful to have other perspectives and opinions right. and challenge bad ideas. Yeah. If yeah. we can push that button, if we can create a, a way of respectfully disagreeing yes, as a way to honor the leader, like, Hey, here's a thing that I see. Have you thought about this? Would you be, would you be open to hearing my thoughts on this? And you can mm-hmm. do that in a way that's hyper respectful. It, it does not have to be disrespectful. Um, but for people who, who grew up in certain religious environments and that can depend even on like mm-hmm. the people are in that parish or who you know sure. it's not necessarily a particular denomination True. but if you grew up feeling like if you question your parents or if you question the pastor then you are in, you're in disrespect and you're divisive then what are you going to do you're going to be quiet you're going to hold your thoughts to yourself and just let it die. let it derail go let it go sideways and then go later like i knew that was going to happen right <laughs> so it's all coming yeah. Well, and, and you, you know, you said something interesting. You said, you know, to honor the leader. And I think there's something better than honoring the leader. It's honoring the mission. Yeah. Right. Unless Agreed. the leader yeah. we're talking about is God, because it's not like uh, sometimes when I used to work at St. Benedict Parish, you know, sometimes people would say, well, what do you want us to do? You know, it's like, what do you mean? What do I want us to do? Or what's Father James want? Like, what does God want you to do? Like, 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 you don't follow us. Like, we're just here to help facilitate you following him. Like, no, his voice, not ours. Like, if our voice is, is trumping God's voice in your life, then that's dysfunctional. And so we exist to help you come to fall in love with Jesus and to hear his voice and to be led by the Holy Spirit. And, yes, we want to help bring about whatever it is God's calling you to do. Um, 
But boy, if it's on or wrong, then yeah, ask me what I want you to do. And then I'll tell you, and I'm going to feel awfully important. That's a terrible idea. Like, like, no, like, no, it's God. We're here to serve God. Not it's so it's bigger than honor the leader. Do we honor our leaders? Yes. But hopefully those leaders have an incredible capacity to recognize that bigger than that, we have a mission given to us by God himself. And if we're not, you know, if we're not honoring that mission because we're too busy worrying about somebody's ego because we're too frail to have real conversations, we're in trouble, man. That's the kiss of death. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, as we approach maturity, hopefully the leader and the mission, they are in line. And if you're protecting the mission, that is what's honoring to the leader. But that is an ego question. And the higher we get in leadership, the more work we have to do on that ego piece. Um, it just, it, most things mature as we get more experience. I think the ego can kind of, it, it can kind of take its foothold more and more because we get less and less people who are willing to call us on our stuff. We have less and less people who are willing to disagree with us. And then we start to kind of believe our own hype. And so that's work that when you're in leadership, you have to keep doing that work to put your ego in its right place, you know, to say this work is about God's kingdom. And if I'm really about God's kingdom and not mine, then I want to know what people are seeing that I'm not seeing. Mm. And I want them to tell me, even if that means I was wrong and they were right. And that means the mission goes forward. Well, then I want that. But it's it's constantly a battle. It is. And that's what makes leadership so much fun. This stuff is fun. It's not like we get this figured out. Everything's going to be great. It, we're always going to be running into stuff. And again, that's why yeah. I love doing this stuff because it, it's so challenging, difficult. The, let me ask you something as it relates to, from a shepherd's perspective, of the fivefold, like apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher, which one can be most challenging to work with for a shepherd? If <laughs> for that, a shepherd. If, if, if that other person's not mature, because when they're, when people are mature in their gifts and there's this, there's this mutual respect and a capacity to listen, this, this, you know, then, then it's not a problem, but, but which of those you find sometimes be more difficult to work with for you? Well, I think it actually depends a little bit on the rest of your profile. So a lot, a lot of shepherds struggle with evangelists. Okay. But I'm shepherd evangelist, so I don't tend to. Gotcha. I, I have that intelligence kind of lined up right next to it. Um, but the evangelist is always bringing new people in, and that sometimes can feel like a threat to the good thing that you have created. Right. Yeah, and sometimes those people are really messy. So shepherds who are trying to keep people out of the mess, they're like, the green pasture is over here. You're bringing <laughs> the mud into the green pasture. Um, there can be trouble there. I think the shepherd and the apostle are often at odds because the shepherd is going like, hey, you need to slow down and care for these people. And the apostle is like, we need to go. And the shepherd's like, there's bodies behind you. You know, (laughs) this person is hurt. Um, And so I've definitely seen that play out a lot. Yeah, Uh, I spent six years in a highly missional organization and I would get very prophetic about shepherding things. Yes. And my boss would say, Kimberly, will you put your shepherd hat back on? <laughs> like, can you be nice to people? <laughs> your, your prophet's killing us. <laughs> and I'd be like, like I had just phased into the prophet. Like yes. um, I said in a meeting once, um, should we be starting more of these if we're not taking care of the ones that we have? And I upset someone, an apostolic person in my team so much. They felt so attacked. 
But I was just saying, like, I don't think we're caring well for what we're doing now. Why are we mm-hmm. continuing to start new things? We don't have the structure for this. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think it, it kind of depends a lot. There's a lot of nuance in what makes for yeah. the hardest thing. Right. Um, but this, the thing that's going to cause tension for the shepherd is anything that brings about discomfort or danger into the flock, the shepherd is going to want to kind of guard against. And so they're going to ask you a lot of questions. Um, and I would say that that sense to guard against that, it's going to make whoever they're asking those questions to more intelligent. And it would work in the reverse way too. So if a shepherd is asking you, okay, you want to do this new innovative thing. How are people going to experience this change? What kind of change management do you have ready for this? Um, have you, how are you going to communicate the change? Is it going to communicate in, in a way that makes people feel like they had input? Are you taking input? Are you slowing down enough to have input? The apostolic person might be like, I don't want to do any of those things. I just want to go. Mm-hmm. But that actually won't serve the movement as much as walking to the discomfort of just slowing down a little bit so that everybody will come with you into whatever you're doing. Yeah. It's kind of a not work around answer a little. <laughs> no, no, I, I love it. I love it. So if, if people are listening to this, Kimberly, and they're saying, well, I haven't done this test or my priest hasn't done this test or my bishop hasn't done this test. How, how could I know? What are some signs that maybe the leader that, that, uh, that leads whatever I'm engaged with is a shepherd? Um, well, I would say if you ask questions about who Jesus is, that usually will give you a clue. Uh, I like, you know, Jesus asked Peter, who do you say that I am? Mm. And I went through a season where I felt like God was asking me that. And I was saying, you are a reconciler, you're a forgiver, you are someone who makes things new, you're a healer. Those are all shepherding things. You know, what do I love about Jesus? I love how he created community, right? right. Um, if I'm apostolic, I might love how Jesus went out. If I'm prophetic, I might love how Jesus called the Pharisees to task and said like, hey, you're getting this wrong. If I'm evangelistic, I might love that he went to the people that everyone had discounted and he brought them right into the fold. And so sometimes that question can be really interesting. So people sometimes just parrot whatever yeah. the church is wired for. I know. If the church has beat that drum a lot. Yeah. Um, but I would just look for, you know, the shepherd is going to be really, really closely tuned into community. They're going to know who has a problem with whom. So if you ask, like, is there any tension happening in this room? Is you know, how's, how's it going in our community? Are there any things I should be aware of in terms of like, what do you notice if they go, well, you know, Kimberly isn't really talking to this person in these meetings. They, you know, they don't look at each other anymore. You know, like the shepherds are tuned into that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so you can kind of know that way. Um, right. And that's in terms of how you are, but, but what about the leader itself? The person you're like, if you're trying to figure out who is the, is, I think my pastor's a is it the is it what he preaches into? Like, how could, what does he probably get, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you definitely are going to see it show up in what they are the most excited to tell the parish about, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of what they're preaching about, in terms of what kinds of programs they're leaning into. Um, they're going to be interested in how do people feel belonging here? How do people, people feel cared for? Do we have systems of care? So mm-hmm. if you have that kind of church that's very, very involved in, we are a community and we help each other and we take care of each other here. That kind of language is probably a fairly high shepherding intelligence. Mm-hmm. Um, and you would have language mm-hmm. like that for the other four as well that you could kind of right. 
you know, like um, a lot of churches will say we're, we're a community of the word, you know, that right. like we're really into teachers. the wisdom of scripture. Those are the teachers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's funny in our context, I would say not a lot of, especially coming out of COVID, not a lot of really healthy churches. Mm-hmm. And so it's hard to know because it's a healthy church, what they're doing. Right. Because so often in our context in the Catholic church, we just do, we do the formula, right. Which is sacraments and and mass and, and that's beautiful. And we marry Barry and baptize and, you know, do all this stuff. <clears throat> but beyond that, there usually isn't a lot of energy for organizational structure, leadership, missional. And again, not to say it's always the case, but it's not uncommon, you know, because so many Catholic churches don't even have any staff. They just have the pastor and uh, a dog and a part-time secretary. And and so it's like they, there's not a lot of structure for mission. It's structure for maintenance. Yeah. And I would say in denominations where there is a lot of structure, you know, most churches are doing it this way. Then you kind of have to look at where, where do they get the freedom? So are they really leaning into, you know, CCD and confirmation and Bible studies? Then they might be teacher wired. Are they really leaning into potlucks and visiting the hospitals and stuff? They might be shepherd wired. Are they really leaning into social justice and feeding the poor and stuff? They might be profit wired, you know, prayer meetings. And um, so you kind of can look at like I've been a part of a number of Catholic churches and they, yes. they focus on different things in what happens outside of the mass, even yes. if the mass yes. would look fairly similar. I agree. And you can see whoever is making those plans, you can start to see their wiring a little yeah. bit. Right. And then that shifts when a new priest comes in and for church and priests every six years or something like the whole charism of that community mm-hmm. can switch. And even going through that switch can be an incredibly painful process because yeah. often things aren't acknowledged, aren't understood, even from the people that are engaged in it and loving it. And so it can be really painful as it's just one transition after another with different values and perspectives without any understanding of what we're talking about here today. Yeah, I could see how the APEST in a community would help that transition process be a little more steady. If you mm-hmm. have your lay people engaged and working out of their giftings yeah. and, you know, the shepherd is handling the potluck and the, you know, the prophet is handling the community outreach and the, you know, the, you know, you have everybody in their place and as a new priest is installed, they, they would have a group of people that are kind of carrying the five hats of the apest. Um, of course, and so it would, it would probably help. yeah. And how, how cooler would it be if they understood their APES profile, understood the whole language <laughs> yeah. of it so that when they did get there, mm-hmm. this, then there was, there's actually a common language with which to evaluate. But oftentimes it's like, oh, that's dumb. Got to get rid of that. No, this is my personality without any understanding of the, oh, of sure. how God has hardwired us. So good. Listen, Kimberly, what an amazing conversation. Like, I've loved this. You're so easy to talk to. Like, anybody that's listening could tell you're a shepherd. I just want (laughs) to hang out with you, like, the rest of the day. Uh, And that's what shepherds, I find, are like. They're just people you want to be around. They just make you feel so good. And so I really appreciate it. Can you share with us a little bit? Because I know I, you and I connected because I went to one of the webinars uh, just before I went on the last trip I was on it. I loved every minute of it. I just thought I want the whole world to connect with what you guys are doing. And so how would they do that? Tell us, tell, tell people a little bit about what you guys do and how they might want to connect. You can find everything that 5Q is doing at 5qcentral.com. And so mostly we offer training cohorts, coaching circles, webinars, 
things like that to kind of get the language of the APEST into yeah. the church all over the world. And it's, it's a very fun thing to get to be a part of. We are actually in the process of launching content around each of the cues. So people are engaging that content because they want to grow in their own calling. Like if I'm a shepherd, I'd go to the shepherd one. Yeah. Or because they know, for example, shepherding is the last thing on their profile and they mm-hmm. want to increase their function in that area. So the cohorts kind of have both sides of it, um, which I think is really, really fun for conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of those are launching in April. And um, everything, you can find everything on 5qcentral.com. And then uh, I also run a company called Kimberly and Coach. And so we do business facing essentially all the same undergirding, but we use things like Clifton Strengths and Impact and Enneagram. And so awesome. if people are looking for an APES kind of feel and that collective yes. intelligence activation in a corporate space, can't use the churchy words, you can go to KimberlyandCoach.com and find me there. <laughs> that is so cool. Well, God bless you for what you're doing. Thanks for being with us today. It's been Thanks a for pleasure. having me. So shepherds take heart. I coach several shepherd pastors and bishops, and they're wonderful people looking to grow their impact in the role that God has entrusted to them. We can all become better leaders. Read, go to conferences, find a mentor, get a coach. Don't let busyness stop you from becoming the leaders others need you to be. The coupon code for the APEST vocational assessment that I told you about is RH Coaching. That's capital R, capital H, and all the other letters are small caps coaching. Take the test. Enjoy the learning. Find out which ministry charism you are most drawn to. Please take a second and rate the podcast five stars. Blessings. I want to encourage you as you lead this week, be faithful to God and generous to others. See you next time. And remember, If you're still breathing, you are powered for impact.